Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! There's like a civil war going on with black people, and there's two sides. There's black people, and there's niggas. What's going on, everybody? As always, it's your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined uh, for another episode of the Brother Law Podcast by the world's leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing? Better than Chris Rock. That's all, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't oh, nobody slapped me in the face today. Oh, whew. And we're not in jail today, so that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I don't. If you've been in a rock under a rock somewhere, maybe in a coma, you didn't know. Um, but Chris Rock and um, and Will Smith had a um, what would you call it? Entangled. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not the kind of entanglement you wanted, though, right? <laughs> Um, and uh, and yeah, so they end up having a little little thing at the at the Oscars. Um, let's go ahead. This probably everybody knows it now, but what we want to do is want to play you not just the ten seconds you've seen, but the entire thing leading up to it, so you have context. How this happened, how the joke works in context. What do you think of hap- what happened, etc. Let's go right here to uh, to the tape, so to speak. Welcome, Chris Rock. Yes. Oh. Wow, what a night. Everybody, no one's wearing a mask. Just breathing raw dog tonight. <laughs> wow. Denzel McBeth. Loved it. I love the part where it said, King Lear don't got nothing on me. <laughs> Y'all got to see it. It's really good. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. 
Now, if she loses, he can't win. <laughs> he is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. No! I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. So we are here to uh, give a documentary out, to give an Oscar out for best documentary. Now, the beauty of documentaries, because they, they make you, when you watch one, you feel smart. Like you watched a, like, you know, like you read a book or something. But all you really did was get high and watch Netflix. So here we go. Here we go. All right. So that's basically what happened. Mm, I'm triggered. I'm, tr I'm triggered all over again. You know, every time I watch it, it, it gets me in a different place. Mm -mm -mm. So what was your impression? You told me earlier how this was a, you had a weird feeling about Chris Rock on this one. Um, my, my feelings, I'm, I'm very triggered. My wife had to actually calm me down after I saw it. Cause you know, for the first few minutes, everybody thought it was a skit. Like we thought right. maybe this was like worked in and staged, but then we started getting the reports from our brothers in Australia who uh, have the uncensored version. Woo, and know, like, right? Oh, this was a real thing. They Will Smith slapped this man on national TV. So um, I, I went and I thought about it. And, you know, for me, for black men particularly, there are really two things that are just the, the mark of complete disrespect, right? right? One is getting spit in the face, somebody spitting in your face. And the other one is getting open-handed slapped uh, by, by another man. Yeah, let's be clear. You can't say it because you, good Christian, who's employed. I can say it. We we call it being bitch slapped. Right, <laughs> right. That is never a compliment. That's that's not a. Uh, uh, it's not something that we go. Oh well, I was only bitch slapped. That was. You'd rather be punched in the face with a, with a fist. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the the great late comedian Charlie Murphy already told us what the repercussion of this is. He said, even in France, when they took off a glove and slapped you in the face with it to be fashionable and challenged you to a duel, they had a gunfight after that. Somebody <laughs> had to go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, so, so anyway, so you're triggered by it. What triggered you specifically, though? Because I feel like, first of all, if you are at the Oscars, let alone front row at the Oscars, then you are Hollywood royalty. Um, and you understand that the Oscars as a show and as a production is going to bring on talent to do certain things. Um, and in this case, they brought on a comedian, which they've right. done numerous times, right? Comedians' jobs are to make jokes 
in those situations. And I think we saw from the clip, at least, that it wasn't that he was just coming out and targeting Jada and that's all it was. He was having jokes for everybody. He was doing <laughs> his job of telling jokes. And a, jo a joke, apparently, that Will initially at least thought was funny until he checked with his wife, uh, <laughs> a yeah. joke um, that, that apparently, you know, and granted, there's more conversation to be had about Jada and alopecia and what's going on with that situation. But to slap another grown man, a black man, on international television. Yeah, yeah let's be clear. We're not talking about just national TV, right? This ain't right. on BET Awards, right? I mean, right. we have, like I said, contacting us from, from Australia, New Zealand, right? right. From tomorrow. They, they were traveling through time to come back and be like, oh, you got to see this shit. <laughs> Matter of fact, the thing I, I think the uncensored when I got there, because they bleeped it here in America, I think it was like from Japan. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And, and, and so to, to get slapped, like to get slapped and not be on TV is right. still like, I'm considering a death sentence. <laughs> but to get slapped on live television, I feel like, first of all, Chris Rock, to me, gets the greatest amount of glory give the man all his roses, the way that he was able to, I mean, he, he struggled through the end of it, mm -hmm. but the way that he maintained composure and made sure that he got to reading off the list of the nominees, I, great kudos to him. No, no, no. But he needed to get a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, several of them. Several of them. <laughs> In the field and, of not whipping somebody's ass. So, yeah, I agree. Yes, and you could tell not only was it the height of disrespect? But he also wanted to say something. You can see the ball of fist and right. he's looking at Jada and, and froming at the mouth because he get ready to say some real destructive stuff. But he checked himself because he didn't want to cause a scene at the Oscars, which is what makes him, which is why I salute him. Because if I'm ever on the Oscars and Will Smith comes up on stage, the show is over, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. I'm beating Will Smith with the trombones in the symphony section. I'm throwing him down the stairs. I don't care. And, they, and people say, well, what if you lose? Like, at that point, it ain't about the loss. It's about the principle. Like, <laughs> you are not. Oh, no, I, I there's so many ways to, to go about that differently than what Chris did. Chris Rock did. None of them more dignified, I'll grant you. You know, yeah, if you and I up there, that happens. Uh, I don't want to say this. When everybody wake up this morning, it's 1963. All right, they're going to be segregated water fountains. Right? I'm going to set the whole race back at least 60 years, just on principle. But here's the thing about it is, even if you can't fight, Chris, I would have done what I did all through school, which would be like inch my way over to security, get behind them and start trying to go through them. Oh, you better get off me. You better get off me. <laughs> I damn sure what I'm not going to do is I definitely, I'd be cursed out the academy too. What kind of security is this? Right? I'm like, I've been cursing the hell out of this. I'm like, you and now you want me after I insult, uh, assaulted to come up here and read your damn list. Right. And then Wilson just casually strolled off the step. It was like, that. that's just it. And then won an award. Like, oh. then won an award. And, and I gotta tell you, what is up with that? Because I don't know about you, but I don't know anywhere where you can slap something. You know, imagine you go to the club. The DJ don't play the song you want. You go slap the DJ. And then and then go to the bar and, and and try to get back in the VIP room. You ain't get back in the VIP room if you slap the DJ. You going home, right? And so Will should have gone home. I would send his Oscar to him. He earned it, but you'd be like, you know, what? we're gonna send that shit to your house. You ain't gonna be be up here. You're gonna give you give your acceptance speech. 
By the way, let's hear his acceptance speech because let's see what we all got to say about it. Now, I know to do what we do, you got to be able to take abuse. You got to be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my, all my fellow nominees. Um, this is a beautiful moment and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people, Tim and, and Trevor and Zach and Sanaya and Demi and Ingenue and the entire cast and crew of King Richard and Venus and Serena, the, the entire Williams family. Um, Jesse. Yeah. You see that look on Serena's face? Oh, I think that was Venus. Yeah, yeah. And Venus, sorry, Venus. Yeah, Venus. You're right, Venus. But Venus was in there like, "Am I supposed to applaud you? You, you crazy, my daddy?" <laughs> and the about face in his speech to me, talking about him being the victim of abuse. We they all should. just saw you slap somebody upside the head. Like, I, and then people talk about King Richard. I, I, I can tell you, Richard Williams never slapped, slapped nobody at Wimbledon. Right, right. <laughs> Not a single person, because they wouldn't let you stay at Wimbledon. You slap somebody. Only in the academy right. you can pull that. So Will got up there and talked about how he was. And we got to talk about this, because here's my theory of this, is that Will was a little on edge uh, because he didn't have a year of everybody talking about him and the entanglement. Absolutely. And we, no, almost two years. We memed his ass good two years ago when this first came out on the red table. The entanglement that they put out into the public discourse. Well, thank you. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is well. No, in fairness, though, August or whatever his name is, uh, the boy did uh, snitch at first, and then I guess she decided she had to answer it. Although she didn't, I don't know why she thought she had to. Exactly. That's your personal business. If August wants to say stuff, we would have just been like, okay. Now the the issue is this: we we saw the pictures of them going places together, and we know August was her um, son's friend. Right. So it was already a weird situation and him coming out and making it uh, and saying that it was a sexual situation did make us say, OK, well, one, you're com- you're confirming what we suspected. Right. right. You're confirming. But at the same time, you don't owe us an explanation at all. No. You owe us nothing. Right. And and it, it also covers up because a lot of people in these arguments since the slap have been saying, um, talking about how Will had all these infidelities, and I was like, "Yeah, but Will didn't go on Red Table Talk to expose all the all the people that he slept with." Like, no, that's what she did, and she did that. And now we all got memes and jokes and everything for Will talking about why you ain't had that energy for August when you slept <laughs> with Chris Rock. And the problem is that whenever you are trying to stay with someone who has has already made you feel emasculated to a certain extent, you're always going to be trying to overcompensate. Right. You're always going to be trying to overcompensate. And he found in a target, Chris Rock, because everybody knows if Tupac was still alive and said the same thing, <laughs> Will would have did Jack. 
Will Whitman said nothing. Think about it. You think he would have come on Dave Chappelle's y'all looking all swole? He found, he found the smallest comedian he could. And it's almost like, and we've all had this situation, and we probably, you and I probably done it once. You on the playground. And you losing in a game, you know, either you losing a fight or you losing in a, you know, in a, in a battle of um, with the dozens. And then you turn over like, what you laughing at, Poindexter? Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> and that's weird with us. It's like, look, I can't whoop the whole internet. The internet's been memeing me, right? And got my picture is literally, my picture on the red table is literally a meme, right? And so I can't whoop the whole internet, but I can whoop Chris. Right. And I'll right. be in there to show people that I'm a man still. And I'm just like, uh, but no. Uh, you, you ain't going to impress me because you whoop Chris. Uh, you know, you might impress me, like I said, if you whoop Tupac. Yeah, but I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, and, and he, to be somebody who makes his, I guess, career now off of telling people about healing themselves and therapy and doing things that, you know, change your philosophy and outlook on life. Like, I feel like this was such a deviation from Will Smith's brand. Now, maybe that's chivalry. Maybe that's him trying to take up for his wife who's upset. But I also feel like you could have did that backstage. I would have had no problem if this same situation played out the way it played out backstage. I have no problem with it. Because well, it's no, like, hey, you're right. Well, I would yeah. still have a problem. We're going to talk about that, too. Because I, I still would have a problem with you slapping comedians and, and, and being mad about jokes, particularly that joke. Um, right. But I will grant you, it definitely would have been better for all the rest of us. By the way, where did that stop not being a thing? I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, how many times did your mama tell you, hey, we go in this place, don't act ass white people for white people to see? <laughs> they I mean, didn't know that there was going to be, this wasn't the Source Awards, right? There'd be nothing but white people watching. Right. And, and remember, for year, a few years ago, we were, they were complaining about the fact that, you know, no, no black people in the Oscars. He didn't get nominated. And then it's like, yeah, and I'm sure there are people in the Oscars like, yeah, that's why. Look, look what you do. And see, this is what makes it worse. My fellow fam, Ewan, Will Packer, was the executive producer this year. Mm-hmm. And he went out of his way to make sure that every ethnicity was well represented at the Oscars and especially black people. Especially. <laughs> he made sure. That we were front and center to be seen. Um, and, and for all intents and purposes, it was a great show. Up until that moment, it was awesome. Uh, that moment probably makes it, it, it makes it notorious for the rest of Oscar history, but it takes away from so much that so many other people did to prepare for it. So I don't know. I mean, and I and I don't want people to get it misconstrued if they're listening. Like I I I'm a huge Will Smith fan, I'm a huge Chris Rock fan. I don't I'm not gonna stop, you know, getting jiggy with it just just because Will Smith yeah. somebody's like I'm not gonna do that. But I do feel like you know if you are filthy rich and famous and sitting in the front seat of the Oscars, the last thing you need to be doing is getting upset by a comedian, a professional who is brought in to tell jokes. He didn't even give that hard of a joke. It was really like, and I'll even say as far as the GI Jane reference, which some people who may not have seen the movie don't get. I think that the whole um, motif of the show last night was emphasizing old movies. They talked about um, Godfather. They talked right. about all old movies. So him talking about G.I. Jane is par for the course of what they were doing that evening. And right. Grant Jada may feel some kind of way because she has alopecia, which I think there might be some conversation that can be had about people now trying to make alopecia and cancer and AIDS <laughs> all synonymous. I don't know. You know, I don't want to crack on anybody's disease, but I kind of feel like there needs to be a litmus test line in there somewhere. 
um, because we also saw that she wasn't the only person whose hairline was getting joked on. You know, I was very disappointed that Space Jam 2 did not get nominated in the special effects category for that hairline they gave LeBron James. Oh my God, amazing. It was really good. It was really good. Right. I don't see LeBron, you know, slapping uh, slapping people or, or Mrs. LeBron. Or Savannah. Yep. Savannah. Yep. Right. Um, and so, you know, this idea. Now, by the way, this is what kills me about it is people, one, they're talking about like, you know, I keep hearing people saying, well, alopecia is an immune disease. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know it is. And I know it, I think even maybe some people die from it. Right. But about eight people, not cancer, which killed like okay. a million people. Right. right? right? All right. I mean, don't, it didn't act like it was like a joke about cancer. But by the way, a cancer joke would not even be unusual for award ceremonies. Now, mm-hmm. I want to play people some some clips from uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais has hosted the Oscars several times, hosted the Golden Globes like five times. But as I say, I'm going to be nice tonight. I've changed. Not as much as Bruce Jenner, obviously. Now, Caitlyn Jenner. Of course. What a year she's had. She became a role model for trans people everywhere, showing great bravery in breaking down barriers and destroying stereotypes. She didn't do a lot for women drivers, but... Did you get the reference, Jesse? Uh, I, I heard the last part, something about women's drivers. Right. So Caitlyn, just to remember, Caitlyn Jenner killed someone in a car. Oh, yes, yes, I forgot. Ran over the person, right? That's what he's joking about. Mm. Nobody's punching nobody. Talking of The Walking Dead, congratulations to Hugh Hefner, who uh, is... Did you hear that? Talking about The Walking Dead, Hugh Hefner. Mm. Then he goes and talks about, you're talking about some personal shit. Getting married at the age of 84 to 24-year-old beauty Crystal Harris. Um, when she was asked why she was marrying him, she said because he lied about his age. He told me he was 94. Oh, come on. Um, don't worry. Hold out and just, just don't look at it when you touch it. That's done. I love this next presenter. He's so cool. Um, He's the star of Iron Man, but many of you in this room probably know him best from such facilities as the Betty Ford Clinic and Los Angeles County Jail. Please welcome Robert Downey Jr. That that was that was blatant. <laughs> now tell me how GI Jane compares to any of that. Exactly, exactly. And the point is, you don't go to one of these events. They're celebrity roasts. And it's people are saying, well, you know, they, you shouldn't make fun of his wife. She's an actor. It's right. not like he was making fun of Denzel's wife. Nobody does that, right? She's not, you know, some some person who's just there along for the ride. She's mm-hmm. an actor, an actress, right? Could have been a nominated. Has been in movies. Good actress. Yep. She's fair game here. And the you know, GI Jane is the lightest joke you'll ever get at the Oscars. So tame. Such a tame joke. Um, and by the way, we also have to get past this idea of like, you know, we can't make fun of people for medical, um, uh, you know, everything is a medical condition. Every bald person on the planet, you know, didn't, didn't want to go bald. They, 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 they shaved it because they had to. Okay. We, we, we make fun of them for, forever. All right. Nothing but bald jokes out there. Uh, how about the fact that, for instance, I remember uh, last year we were all laughing at Derek Jackson. 
Right. And one of the things we're laughing about is the fact that he's like five five. Right. And 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 when I I remember I had a you know a lot of fun with my friends on, on Facebook. We had spent a whole day roasting Derek Jackson. Uh I'm I'm sure he ain't happy to be in short. It wasn't his choice. It's a medical condition. Everything's a medical condition, right? Just how you're born. But we're not going to stop making fun of you um, just because stuff happens. And I apologize, you know, if you if you if you if you had the alopecia. Um, but you know what? I got a form of it too on top of my head. All right, I'm just taller than you. Well, you know, and this this is the hard part for me. I don't really believe in censorship for comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think part of a comic job is to make us laugh at the things that uh, we have that are unique challenges for us because we all are battling something. Thank you. Um, and it's an art. I also think that if you are like me and you grew up on Deaf Comedy Jam, uh, Comic View, uh, Netflix specials on, from comedians, I have heard people tell jokes about folks with Tourette's. I've heard people tell jokes about folks in in um, wheelchairs. Yeah, I've yeah. heard people tell jokes about people with uh, physical deformities. Like I've heard people tell jokes about everything, and I feel like when did we started? When did we start applying rules to what could happen? Now, I understand we evolve as a society. I get that, and there are some things now. Like people used to make a lot of jokes about LGBTQIA people, yeah. but. Now that's not as acceptable because they have people that are going to push against that. I see. But I also feel like lost in that is some of our freedom of expression and some of our ability to laugh at ourselves. I don't understand how people who are in the same boat as me or worse can feel some kind of empathy for Will and Jada Smith, <laughs> multimillionaires, right, who, who don't do jack for us but make movies. You know what I'm saying? And, and somehow we supposed to feel empathy because they can't take a joke. That was considered punching down. And I'm like, if Will and Jada Smith are punching <laughs> down, right. the only person you can make fun of then is Bezos. All right. right. Um, Bill Gates. And I guess Jesus, because the, the only three people higher than the two of them. I'm like, what are you talking about? Chris Rock is below them in every regard. Mm-hmm. How is that? How is that punching down? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I just don't understand how people can't take a joke. And I, I made a point about this today. I said, where were all these heroes when I was getting clowned on? <laughs> in middle school, when, it was, when it was like, oh, look at his poor, broke, crusty jeans, his off-brand clothes. Where, where were y'all at? Where were y'all Will Smiths at? I feel some kind of way about this because I got to tell you, I'm, I'm sitting in a house now that was bought from jokes. And you know how I learned to tell jokes? From from somebody talking about my mama on the playground. Mm. All right. I, you know, I, you, you think I just what, read all these in the book? Right now, I had people clowning me just like you, right? That was a part mm. of a, it. wasn't even, by the way, we didn't even get mad. Right. That was right. a sport. When, you know, when it was a rainy day, you couldn't go out and play. That, that's what you would do. Absolutely. And, and to make it worse, particularly given the history of Will and Jada, you certainly couldn't be sensitive about your significant other seeing other people because people <laughs> were gonna turn that knife. They were gonna turn that knife in every day. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that got me is I could totally get by the way not wouldn't be acceptable, wouldn't be right, but I can understand if he felt some kind of way. If it, if, if and I give you an example, if for instance, um, you, you know, he had if <laughs> if Chris Rock had called in any way, you know, Will a cuck, 
Mm-hmm. Or it made some joke about how, you know, oh, by the way, at the after party, he's going to be in Jada's vagina, whatever, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I would get how, don't get me wrong, you still can't fight anybody, but how you might feel like personally offended. Right. But the fact that he called your wife bald headed, which by the way, she was bald headed before the alopecia. I ain't never bald-headed. been, I ain't never known bald-headed. Jada with, with, with a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, she was wearing short hair back. She's she the one who made short hair sexy. Her and Demi Moore. Exactly. So what is he, you know, what is this whole thing about how this is, oh my God, like you've been doing this for years, even before the alopecia, and we were still, you, you know, you ain't never been not fine. And and that's the other thing. It's like we, we're not talking about hideous people. We're talking <laughs> about two of the most beautiful people in blackness, right? Who are filthy rich and can do whatever they want. And we're supposed to be sympathetic to them not being able to take a joke? Like that's insane to me. That is now, the highest of insane. I heard one theory about this, which okay. was that you know, Will in his book. Which just came out this year. I guess he did a lot of inspection in, in in writing it about how you know he's great. His greatest regret in life, and I could totally sympathize and understand this, is that he felt like he did not do enough to protect his mom from his abusive father when he was nine years old. Which nothing he could have done, by the way, not his fault at all, right? But he's always felt guilt about this, and so there may be some explanation, not excuse, not justification, but explanation as to why he felt like he was going to try to finally protect the women in his life. He certainly seemed like he had a plan with Chris. You know, like you said, that slap is not, you know, that, <laughs> that wasn't a slap that, you know, in the spur of the moment, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to, you know, flail. He'd been practicing that at home. Yep, you, yep. you talk about it. The form was good. You follow through. Yep. Full extension. Right. Thank 45 you. degrees. <laughs> you got his hips into the thing. I mean, you know, if, you know, if you were teaching a class on how to slap the hell out of a comedian, that would be, Will would be your instructor. And it's like, you know, so maybe, you know, he'd been thinking that, you know, he was going to f- figure out some time to, to try to take people from the giving that impression. The sad part, though, is, and I'm like you, I'm not mad at Will. I I don't want him to go to jail. Right? <laughs> I don't want him to lose jobs. I, I'll be in his next movie. I loved him in Aladdin. All right. Right. But, you know, it did not make me think better of him now that you don't slap a, a, a you know, 120-pound comedian. And, and I'll say just as far as the stuff that he reveals in his book and all that, I guess this is going to sound real insensitive. So I apologize in advance, but I feel like we all dealing with stuff. <laughs> we all got our issues. Like we all have situations that we feel like we wish we could have been more present or more uh, prepared okay. to fight. But that's part of the therapy, understanding that when you are a child, there's only so much control that you have to, to exercise. And at this Absolutely. point, that, that shouldn't leak out when jokes come out. Not to mention, there's been way worse jokes, right? Like oh, some people have made way worse jokes. You wouldn't have done this to D.L. Hughley. We know that. We know that. So there have been way worse jokes that people have made about his situation. Yes, you can't project your issues onto Chris Rock just because he wants to make a joke. If you don't like comedians or you don't want to be exposed, to somebody cracking a joke on you, perhaps you shouldn't be somewhere where a comedian is going to be. Exactly. You don't go on tour, and not even just a comedy show. You went to a roast. That's what they do. They put people out of the audience and, and, and talk about them. Right. Right. In every awards, uh, you know, show with the presenters. Think about it. Ricky Gervais was 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 talking trash about people he was about to hand the microphone to. Right. Right. Our next presenter is a drug addict. And about to run. what the goddamn. 
And it's like, you know, if, if, they, can, if they can handle that, you know, you certainly could handle this. So we, we're totally in, in agreement there. Now, what got me, though, was, and this is the part that, that gets me, is this shouldn't have been a story that would cause us to rush into the studio, right? That caused the, I don't think anything got done in America on Monday, March 28th. <laughs> And by the way, I don't know about you, but I lost about 400 friends um, because we all spread into these teams of Team Will and and Team Chris. And it is the most ridiculous thing. And I want to talk about that because I think there's something, you know, that's that's sort of going on there that had people really into their feelings about it. Now, you and I, as people who think we're funny, you can understand where our issues are. Personal. Mm -hmm. This is a danger to what we do. Right. And if you can go around and start slapping the comedians, think about it. You know, I earn, you know, you you big time professor. I earn my living telling jokes to lawyers. If my my clients get the impression that there might be a brawl breaking out, because Will Smith gonna show up at my, my, my talks, they're not gonna bring me, they're not gonna have me. You know what I mean? No need to 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 they don't wanna pay to replace all the furniture in the ballroom. Right, right. <laughs> brawl breaking out. And so I take this very personal. Like, you know, we can't have a situation where you need to, I don't care what the comedians say, you need to sit your ass down and let me get my check. Right. Well, I want to explain some of the div- division too, because I also feel like what we are doing as a society is projecting some of our own issues Preach. onto the Will and Chris situation. So, for instance, I've, I've met some people on social media and in person who have said, well, you know, Malcolm X said the black woman is the most unprotected person in the world, which is true. That is a fact. No doubt. Right? But what they are saying is that Will acting like this shows that he protects his woman. And, <laughs> and I, my, my response is always, well, do you know how many friends of mine that I have in prison who thought that same way? And now the lady they were protecting has run off with her August? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Like, or, or, or worse, she didn't find August. She's struggling. The baby's struggling. They can barely make ends meet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, living, you know, it, you know, just barely surviving. If, if that, because you ain't there to help, because you, you know, behind the glass somewhere, exactly. right? Because you had to, to, to protect, you know, the honor. And I got to tell you, I was, you know, a little disappointed. I saw a lot of them like, you know, I just want a man to protect me. And I'm like... I, you know, my test, my litmus test if I was single, when I talk to my sons is, will your woman let you fight for her? And if, if they say, yeah, you need to get a new woman. <laughs> because seriously, if I'm, I'm 47, 54 years old. If I said, you know what? So-and-so said this. I, I'm getting ready to get in this car and whoop that. Do you think I would get out the house? Mm. Do you think my wife would not stand in front of the door and be like, hey, Negro, if you don't get your ignorant ass back in this house, Who's going to pay the mortgage next month when you're in jail? Right. Who's going to take these kids to school tomorrow morning? Because I got stuff to do. Like, you know, the idea that anything is more important than taking care of your family. In the important ways, not, you know, I I make sure that, you know, I protect her reputation in my butt. We grown. You ain't got no rep. All right. That's for for high school. Yeah, I ain't got no rep. I'm 50. What I got is bills and responsibilities. Right. And the idea that some folks, I was a little disappointed or a little scared for some of these um, brothers, because by the way, like you said, let me give you an example of something that happened just recently, a very public case, a couple of years ago, when the pandemic first started, I believe it was in Louisiana, 
a sister and her daughter in a um, a store, and they're they're told to put on their mask. And you know, they say the security guard did not ask them very nicely, very rude about it. They were upset. They went home, talked to the husband. Who she says, I you know, I kind of know he's a little hothead, and he says, I'm gonna go up there and fix that. Takes his son with him. They go up there and shoot the guy. Mm. Talking shit. Now she got no husband or son. Mm-hmm. But but she's protected, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know what I mean? It's like it'd been better off if she just felt dissed. You get over it. Yeah, but well, the, I think the bigger thing is. I don't understand how we play double dutch with toxic masculinity, right? So mm-hmm. all these people just just two days ago were so anti-toxic masculinity. We tired of the caveman behavior. Thank we you. tired of this. We tired of that. And then as soon as somebody act like a caveman, all of a sudden it's, oh yeah, that's how you're supposed to be. I don't understand that. And and my thing is, you know, I think there are we have to be cognizant because you know my son has been making jokes about this stuff all day because of course. He was watching the Oscars because we didn't expect nobody to get slapped on Oscars. <laughs> 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 they definitely have to start putting that on about a two-minute delay. <laughs> there are people watching this who are trying to, you know, they're still formative and they're trying to figure out, well, what is my role in life as a person and as a man? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say this as well. Like, for me, I always, I, I feel like in my head there's a scale. And the scale is my professional career and who I am as a person today. And the other side is my ghetto side. Like it's like, right. it's like which one should take over? And most times the professional person is going to win because I like the things that being professional has gotten me in life. Thank you. I have a nice house. I have a nice car. I have a great family. I like that stuff. The problem that I have comes in in situations like me thinking, putting myself in the shoes of a Chris Rock and seeing somebody coming up to slap me. I'm not going to be thinking professionally anymore, right? At that point, the scale has shifted seismically, right? And I feel like embedded in in a lot of people is that same kind of metric in determining what you're going to use. But we know now that now we are getting reinforcement to not be toxically masculine. I feel like you can't go out and just assert dominance on people because they told a joke. Now, there may be certain situations that come up, for instance, getting slapped, somebody threatening your life, Somebody popping up trying to break in your house. Maybe there's some other issues. Yeah, no, that no, wait, if, you, if, if Chris and Jada had been in the club and somebody walked up to her face to face and said, you bald-headed bitch, I, I can see, you know, not recommending it because it doesn't make sense for Will. It's not a fight that, that's going to work well for him. But but I can see not being controlled. Like, okay, that's too far. That's bottom line. But a comedian at a natural, you know, an international <laughs> event doing things that every other comedian does at those events. Absolutely. Right? Is not the situation where you're going to lose it and decide that you want to be. And by the way, the tax mark, tax, toxic masculinity, I, I thought about that too. And I, I wanted to ask people today, you know, so you want us as men to be more thoughtful, to think things through, to talk and not just act out of rage and anger, mm-hmm. accept right. it out. Mm-mm-mm. And by the way, there's nothing you and I'm glad we played the clip because Will doesn't say keep Jada's name out of your wife out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. No, he says keep my wife's name. Right. This is all about Will. Mm-hmm. Now, is that what we, 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 we got? We got we got we we we're now 
encouraging, that possessive, this is my woman, and it's a reflection of me, what you say to my woman. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about toxic masculinity, ain't nothing more toxic than the idea of my woman. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything is possessive. Everything is all of you know all about him. Even the the acceptance speech for the Oscar, it's like it's 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 crazy to me. And the fact that everybody in the world saw this, and yet everybody who at least was in the theater in, in um, California were coddling Will, right? They coddling yeah. Will like Denzel and Tyler Perry going to help Will. Nobody checking on Chris Rock, right? Like so, so it's like Will, um. You know, and this and he had a great quote that Denzel told him said the devil always comes in when you're at your highest point. Right? right. That was a great quote. I also feel like we have to also be able to recognize who the devil is in a given situation. Mm. Um, because I, 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 I'm like, look, you don't coddle the abuser, and for him to get up and talk about him feeling like he's fighting against abuse when he just slapped somebody in front of everyone. Like literally, we all are subject to being subpoenaed for this. <laughs> <What is Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. Will you need to know? I'm a snitch. I will sit on your ass in a minute just to get all some parking tickets. I ain't had. I ain't got no penalties on on my record. Oh man. No, no. So I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, it is. It's weird how Hollywood handled that. I, you know, I, it, it's weird though because I wonder at what point did Will? And it seems like, by the way, we should be clear. He's issued an apology since then. Not just to the Academy, but to Chris specifically. And so we should be clear that Will has kind of, I think, after 24 hours, come to his senses. I imagine at some point after that speech, he kind of came to his senses. Imagine how awkward it was at the after party when you go up to people, you talk to them. They're not going to mention the thing you just did, but you know you're going to act in ass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time you leave, someone will be like, what's wrong with Will? Is he on drugs? <laughs> Yeah. And we should be clear, you know, one of the things I saw that was a little disturbing was there were some people who were, you know, you and I, you know, like we said, you know, when we, we definitely are on Team Chris here. We think Will was wrong in every conceivable way. But we also don't think that this is you know, something that should be fatal to his career, right? Ruin his Absolutely. life. Just like, no, he made a mistake. That's, that's just how that works, right? He'll grow from it. But I saw some people were just like, you know, he has no class. And, and remember, start putting the T word out. He's a thug. Mm. And it's just like, you know what? I, I get it because, you know, Will had, had fooled a lot of people and they kind of thought that he was one of the good ones. Well, and, and, and in all respect, I mean, he I'm not saying that he's not like I think he can be. I think he had a bad moment. Good point. And I, and I also feel like this is part of the problem when you cut on the hot lights and put it on. And that's so we got things and ways of moving in our culture that everybody culture can't get with. Right. Like, so it's different. And I feel like, you know, people like Puff Daddy can can stand up there and let you know, hey, we're going to try to fix this backstage as a family. Right. Yeah. That that means something to me that it may not mean to the white lady who's already calling the police. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. Right. We can have fights and knock down drag outs in the back room and then come together. Kumbaya. And we good. Right. Yeah. I think the problem is. That it feels like to me, and I wasn't there, so that's my disclaimer, but it feels like to me that everybody rushed to be supportive of Will because he was the star winning the Oscar and he was the Hollywood royalty in that moment. And it's a Hollywood function. Chris Brock, even though he acts, he's not Hollywood royalty. He's a comic. Right. Right. So he's not part of the fold. He's not part of the culture. 
And I feel like what this shows to me is that Hollywood, this is the reason why people like Harvey Weinstein get away for years, for decades. Because mm-hmm. Hollywood takes care of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Right? And I just wish that, you know, we as black people took care of black people. Right? I, that's what I want. I want us to apply this to take care of our people and deal with our issues in-house. Um, I, I think you can't, you know, Will, my other issue with him, he's trying to make it seem like he was trying to protect Jada but I also feel like you can't give somebody instruction after you've already slapped them across the face. Oh, yeah. He wasn't telling any more jokes about it, too. One thing, by the way, he kept going on and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. What are you protecting her from? You turning back time with that slap? It's a good slap, but it ain't that good. Mm-hmm. You're so like, I'm protecting her. I'm like, what are you protecting her from? And the joke's already been said. And it's getting repeated on every news station. Well, well, that thing mean, is a joke that nobody would have thought of. That's not nobody. what would not have made the news. Would have, nobody would have ever heard it but them. Nobody. Nobody. I, I turned clear, you were watching it. I was not only not watching it, I was writing a post about all the people who crazy for watching. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, bloop, 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 bloop. oh no, I guess maybe I, I need to turn this on. And by the way, I still didn't watch it. I just just watched that. The only thing I've seen in Oscar so far was the opening monologue, which I went for purposes of this, of this podcast, and mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, the two minutes we keep seeing over and over and over. Absolutely. Right. And so the idea, like you said, you know, he made it worse, a, a, a bad situation for him, you know, worse. He didn't protect her. He only made it worse for her. I would love to see what Jada had to say about it. Yeah. I mean, we all would. I, I want to see what Chris Rock got to say about it. He he hasn't issued a statement yet. Um, it seems like uh, Diddy is trying to say that they re- reconcile. Will has issued his apology, but Chris Rock has not said anything. And I was sitting here trying to figure out what was going on. But then I did a quick Google search and found out that uh, Chris Rock is going to be in Durham, North Carolina on April 16th for a show. And his tickets have just increased exponentially. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to give me some tickets uh, to, to go see what Chris yeah. Rock got to say in the show. And I hope it's good. I hope well, it's good. Please make sure you bootleg it because um, I, I, need, I, I need to hear it. You know, you know, now let's go forward as far as a couple of things I noticed here. And one thing I noticed that got really bizarre, this was not an issue that should have turned racial at all because everybody involved in it was black. And I and part of me thinks, oh, my, what if that would have been Ricky Gervais and 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 um, Will Smith had slapped him? I could see that it would have gotten really ugly. But I don't think Will would do that. I think he knows where his butter is. Bre- his uh, bread is butter. I don't think that he would slap anybody, any white member of the academy. Ooh. Um, I don't think that he would slap any real comedian, like somebody who really gonna square up with you, a Corey yeah. Holcomb, Hughley, or um, yeah, Bert, well, Bernie Mac, rest in peace. But nobody oh, yeah. like that is getting slapped by Will Smith. It's not. It's not happening. Um, so he picked the right one. He went. He went for Chris Rock. We know Chris Rock got, you know, a whole TV show. Everybody hates Chris. All the times Caruso was beating him up and, and, and all right. he had was jokes, right? So we know he's right. the fighter. But I also feel like where if you if you Chris Rock, where do you go from here? Where do you go? Either you could make a, a, a show about it and charge money and, and make it the best show ever. Or, I mean, my personal I feel like at that point, it's just on site. Like if I see Will Smith yeah. and he just slapped me, it's on site. It don't matter where we see each other. It's now, an issue. 
You know, I think what's interesting about this, though, was, you know, and I did not realize this. Did you realize how many people um, are still mad at Chris Rock for that hair documentary? Yes. Yes. And we need to talk about this. because I mean, this is the thing I think that and it's funny because there were a lot of people who were upset that white people had anything to say about this. And I was kind of like, look, one, you can't say you can't go into somebody else's house, break up all the furniture and then be like, don't get in the middle of our family squabble. Because you right. took your family squabble to their house. Right. Absolutely. So if it was the BET Awards, the Source Awards, they ain't got nothing to say about it. But when you go to the Oscars, you're right, you you know, you need to um you need to act right or people have the right to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But that said though, there is something extra that's going on here that I think a lot of people don't understand that probably was confusing because most of the white people I saw were like, you know, how dare he? And about half the black people seem to be you know, on on Chris's side. The other half seem to be on on um, on Will's side. But a lot of people are mad at Chris for good hair. Good hair. So for those who, who may not recall, good hair was a documentary about the black hair industry. And I think, if I had to guess, that the intent of the movie was to show how we have been culturally raised to feel like our hair wasn't good enough. It's not deemed professional. Um, we also uh, show that how the hair industry works and how people import hair from other countries and wash it and prepare it for people to be able to have wigs and extensions and things right. like that. And that that only gets emphasized in the black community, despite the fact that white women wearing extensions too. y'all ain't exempt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they wearing extensions and wigs too. So I, I think the the purpose behind the movie was to inform. But of course, it's Chris Rock and he tries to make everything a joke. So in making it funny, I guess, so that it wouldn't be just a, a boring documentary, but would be something funny. Uh, a lot of people didn't really like his color. They didn't. They they felt like he was beating up on black women and the things that they do for their own uh, beauty right. standard. Yes. And, and so, you know, there is that thing going on. And I find this out with a lot of stuff. It's like same thing with Chappelle. Now, you know, we, we both agree that it's unlikely that Will Smith is going to run up on Chappelle because he's been working out for the last few right. years. Right. But so remember old Chappelle? Old Chappelle used to be really skinny. Yes, he was. Right? The little kids, you know, young Chappelle was skinny as hell and ashy. And, you know, if, if, if Will Smith had slapped him with the way people currently feel about, uh, um, you know, Chappelle, I imagine he would right now uh, be given a second Oscar. Hmm. Mm-mm. And we seem to be having this thing now where we're starting to evaluate right and wrong and whether something's proper or not, not based on the action, but who it happened against. Right. Right. So if you slap somebody I don't like, I don't care. Right. And, and the censorship, I mean, I think it starts it starts with comedians and censorship. That's the reason why when you go to comedy shows, you no longer can have your cell phones out. Right. Anymore, you got to lock it up because people were putting that stuff on the internet and trying to start movements against folks to get them canceled. Um, so I, I, I think there's censorship, and that's a big, a, a big part. But I also feel like the main people who actually hold the levers of power in this country do far worse. And we don't have people who are out here um, running up on Capitol Hill. Well, I should take yeah. that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not on our side. We do have people on the other side. <laughs> not on our side. <laughs> you know what kills me about the? I just took a look at the Chris Rock um, Good Hair documentary on Wikipedia. Right. 
you know that movie grossed $4 million. So none of us have seen it. <laughs> you know, this wouldn't be a problem to anybody. I know people like, you know, he, he, he betrayed black women in a bad light, et cetera. The bottom line is he, he, he betrayed people, but nobody would have seen it if we just stopped talking about it. Mm. $4, $4 million in gross revenue. Right. That's <laughs> that is far less than a million people. Half a million people or so in the whole country saw a movie of 300 million people. And by the way, you, you know, you know, that, that any of us who saw it, we, we, we likely bootlegged it. But anyway, that's beside the I point. Was gonna say, I saw it on bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, <laughs> so the bottom line is, is like, you know, we, we you know, you end up we end up sort of, you know, if you were upset about the movie, you, if you ignored it, we've been fine. But also, I, I'm I'm weird in the, in the sense that maybe it's because I I remember buying movies, buying music before the days of the internet. And when I was coming up, and I don't know about you, Jesse, but when I was coming up, we bought things called albums. Okay. An album might have anywhere between nine and twelve songs, and you'd be lucky if you liked four of them. If there was a bad song, I just skipped to the next one. Right. And so I'm like, if Chris Rock does something that you didn't like in this, this show, you know what? Skip it and go to the next one. And we have this idea now, like, no, if you don't do everything I like and every joke you tell and the whole special isn't everything I like, then that's it. I'm done with you. Not only am I want to not spend money on you, you have every right, but I want to encourage people and root, for, root them on when they hit you in the face. Mm. Because I didn't like that joke. It wasn't funny to me. Right, like the idea that we just can't move past good hair, but past Dave Chappelle's trans jokes. You don't like those jokes? Focus on the ones you like. To, to kind of be careful too, because one of the things about me is I watch a, a, a huge uh, selection of comedians, not just black comedians. I watch comedians of all ethnicities, right. and people making jokes about black people. I don't want y'all to think that is 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 you know just black people that make jokes about black people. It's white comedians out here making jokes about black people to a white audience. Okay, and the way that it goes down is you never hear about it. You don't hear the cancel culture. You don't hear anything. I don't know if white people just have better memos and (laughs) keep meetings and uh and make sure that they don't let these people get attacked. But it happens. And I'll say this: a lot of them have pretty funny jokes that if I was around other black people, I probably would be offended. But secretly in my house, I'm laughing because it's kind of funny at the same time. So, so for examples, and I think you listen to him too, Gary Owen. Gary Owen, one of the best. But the best right? he teeters about black church. Yep. He, he would would I be mad at him? He anything he says is true. <laughs> and it's hilarious, right? And I'm not gonna be mad. And this is the thing that's gonna bother me because here's what's crazy is people say, Well, no, I don't want a black comedian to say that. You can't say that if you're a white comedian. And I'm like, if you're telling me that playing on stereotypes is is harmful. And it's possibly it is. I read a book um, a few months ago in which it explained how when people hear stereotypical jokes, they are more likely to then afterwards act out on those stereotypes. You hear a bunch of jokes that black people are lazy and then you put those people back in the employment office. They will hire less black people. They'll feel the jokes and, you know, embolden their stereotypes, et cetera. So these are, you know, it's not that the jokes don't cause harm, but why is it better if black people told a joke that caused harm to black people, then if white people told that joke that caused harm to black people. Mm. It seemed to me that if the rule should be, if we were really worried about harm, is that a black person can tell every joke but a black joke. Mm. Why should you be allowed to harm me? Why should I be allowed to, to, to slap my wife but not your wife? 
<laughs> right? And we do that all to think about it. People say it all the time about, you know, what's well, okay if you make fun of, you know, of your own. And I'm like, really? I, I, on Facebook, I write a lot of posts about my family. And I have four kids, you know, some strange strain of the autism spectrum. And I tell these stories about the autistic kids and people find it hilarious, et cetera. And I'm like, it's interesting because it's not offensive if it's my kid that you're laughing at. Mm. But it'd be offensive if it was your kid. And so this idea that either the jokes are harmful and they should be told by nobody and we can have no comedy at all anymore. Or it doesn't make sense that it's somehow better for black people to tell jokes that hurt black people than it would be for a white person to tell that joke. You know what I mean? It seems to me that you know, black on black crime is, is not is not some great benefit. I hear you, and and I, I'll take it a step further. I feel like I don't know when we trigger these like tests to determine what's appropriate and what's not. Because I know for a fact I have yet to hear a comedy special where people didn't joke about Forrest Whitaker's eye, right? <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's eye has been in more jokes across the line. Now, granted. We ain't never heard Forrest Whitaker say anything about it, probably because he's rich and he's like, I could care less with y'all. Right? But the the thing about it is if we're going to talk, if we're going to say that uh, Jada's hair issues are off off the table, right, then why is it cool to talk about Forrest Whitaker eye? Right? we, We can't get to a point where we're censoring like just kind of piecemeal on what we care about on that given day. I have always appreciated that comedy is going to exploit the differences that make people stand out. It's always been that way. And everybody else who isn't dealing with that is going to laugh. That's the thing. You'll be the butt of the joke for two seconds, and then we're going to move on to somebody else. And they'll be the butt of the joke for two seconds. To me, what is wrong is if you just focus in and bombard one group continuously. That to me is bullying and, and wrong. But if everybody gets a little bit of this, that's fair. And here's what I think people think. They think that you should be able to tell jokes that don't offend anyone or that don't make fun of anyone. And I'm like, that is not a joke. There that are no jokes that start, your mama so pretty. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you, you know, your mama so rich. Every right. one of your your mama jokes is something on the on the back end of that is bad. Your mama fat, ugly, whatever, et cetera, because nothing is funny about rich, happy, beautiful people. That's bragging. Right. No story is funny that doesn't have some bad thing happen, somebody doing something stupid in it, some something ridiculous. You the story about the person who does everything right, does everything great, has a great life. That's not funny. That's bragging. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. Exactly. And, and and so, yeah, it's going to be, you know, all of my best stories are about stupid things that I or someone else has done. And, and, and so people have to understand that, you know, the only thing we can really hope for is that we more equally distribute out, right, the goods. And so, for instance, if anyone has a, 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 a legitimate complaint about Chappelle is that he spent too much time, right, going after the trans people. And that's a legitimate complaint. If you spend 30 minutes, you know, of your, of your hour special or whatever, going after one particular target, that's probably too much. But I also think he goes after the people that, that try to push back. Like one of the things I learned early is in a comedy club, I'm not going to win. If I, if I try to heckle a comedian, right. I'm not going to win. And they're going to make it worse. It's worse when you try to like fight back. And, and especially if you're not funny. Right. It's oh, worse. Right. So they're going to put the spotlight on you. 
I yeah. also think, you know, comedy takes many different forms. So I think, um, for example, Ricky Smiley has been doing a skit called Little Daryl, right, forever. And it's really just his emulation of a kid that he went to school with who has some issues with deformities and some mild um, mental issues, okay. right? And he acts like little Daryl. He talks like him. He walks like him. He curls up his arms and hands like him. And people get a kick out of it. They love little Daryl. He does it on his radio show. They love that. But yes, I could see how somebody who has somebody in that situation would be offended. The right. issue is maybe Ricky Smiley ain't for you. <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's not your kind of comedy. Maybe but you're a very kind of person. Ricky is on the radio. He's not doing that three hours a day. Right. Right. And once or twice a week, he probably brings in a little segment or whatever. And to me, it's like, you know, as long as you're, you know, you're going back and forth and around and you're not just making it your job to, you know, beat up on one group, then I think it's, it's all fair game. And it, it's to me, it's really bad. The fact that if you have a group where, you know, no one's making fun of themselves, then the rest of us have to pretend like everything is great with you. Right. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times we're just, you know, ridiculous. Halftime is funny. When I hear people have a complaint about whoever comedian. I'm like, y'all wanted them to give a TED talk, to stand up and say, yep, you know, trans women are women. And I'm not disagreeing, but that's not funny. Right. Okay. And by the way, here's the thing that also cracks me up is, I don't know about you, but when I'm telling jokes, how much of the stuff are you saying that you really truly believe? Hmm. That's a good point. Thank you. I will take, I'm taking the most ridiculous point I can. That's going to be funny. All right. And I'm, I, you know, if, if, I, if I think I got the better joke on that, that's the side I'm taking. Because I don't think that anyone's there to get my political leanings, et cetera, et cetera. They're just there to laugh and have a good time. And if I got a side that's more ridiculous, I'm taking that one. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's the comedy club. Like, Thank you. <laughs> we go to the comedy club to laugh because we've been putting up with so much crap the whole week. We can't slap our coworkers. We can't slap our boss that, that gets on our nerves. We can't do that. So we go to the comedy club so that we can have a release to be able to laugh and to not feel the pressure of keeping a mask on to be somebody else, but to be able to embrace some laughter at some of the shortcomings that we have or that other people we know have. It's Thank the you. point. It's the point. Yeah. That's the art. And if we're if we're at a point where we're saying we just don't respect comedians and we just don't respect the art of comedy anymore, then I don't know that I'm conceding to that. Like I don't know that I'm going to live in that world. I yeah. love the right? Yeah, exactly. Well, now that's the thing. Is, but here's the thing about it. So you you know if you're in the audience, you could tell where Jesse and I are coming out. Where where we spent why we spent a day on this thing because it has an interest for us both as fans of comedy and people who sometimes are funny. <laughs> we have a real interest in this, but I'm kind of curious from the other side. And I'm, you know, I think I can totally, you know, the people I'm, I'm learning or trying to have more sympathy for that I didn't at first was the women who said, you know, I'm so happy to hear him, see him protect somebody, not because I think they're right, not because I think that's the way to protect women, but rather because I know that it must be coming from something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And, and that's the part. So we should not. And I don't want to. You know, I think Jesse and I both agree on this. We don't want to diminish the, those people because the people who were most vehement, vehement about, you know, yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you stood up for your woman are likely, if they're anything like us, people who feel that issue deeply because they've had situations in which people didn't stand up for them in situations yeah. where they really should have. 
right? They've been a victim Absolutely. of physical abuse or some other type of abuse where other people just stood by and did nothing for them. So mm-hmm. I got to, you know, be somewhat, you know, try to be a little less judgmental and realize where they're coming from. Absolutely. And, and I, I'll say this too. Um, I just want to be clear. I think there are many different ways to stand up for people. And it doesn't always involve physical violence. So um, just just for like an example, I used to work at a fast food restaurant and there was, uh, this is when I was in college, and there was a high schooler, a high school girl who worked there that a whole bunch of the guys who worked at this fast food restaurant were always trying to like press up on or give yeah. a certain window to make it seem like they were doing stuff for her that they weren't. And I, as a college kid, was kind of an old person, right? Like, okay. So right, right, right. I, I was like, I'm not her dad, but I knew that she was uncomfortable with this. Stuff, Got it. Right. And people would do little slick things. Like if she had to get something out of the uh, mm. freezer, somebody would walk in the freezer behind her and try to be in there by herself. So right. I would always be triggered to say, OK, well, let me go randomly need to get something out of the fridge. Right. And, and just make sure that she's good. OK. Now, she doesn't know that that's what I was doing. Or maybe she does. I don't know. I never told her that. But my whole thing is we see things on a daily basis that we in, we interrupt all the time. And I feel like that's one way of protection short of slapping somebody inside the face. Now, granted, that's not my wife, girlfriend, daughter, anything like that. But I do feel like there is some kind of concern. And I also understand that there's a gross inequality in power when people make complaints about these types of behaviors to their supervisors and they're not always believed. Right. So I think that there are definitely roles for us, particularly us as men, to do things to step up. But at the same time, I also want us to emphasize that we have to make sure that our priority is protecting ourselves, too, because likewise, in this country, black men have also been victimized (laughs) for a whole bunch of stuff that we shouldn't have been victimized for. And what what we can't do is protect our family or protect the women in our lives if we are in jail. You know, and there's certain things we take for someone said, you know, said earlier, I I heard a comment. Someone said, you know, well, you understand, you know, it's not just physical violence, you know, but 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 words can be violent, too. And I want to say this so we're absolutely clear. No, they can't. It is literally (laughs) impossible um, unless someone hits you with the dictionary, because violence has a very specific (laughs) meaning. It means physical harm. And we were, I don't know when, you know, sticks and stones stopped being a thing, but that was, that, that used to be in the Bible. Sticks and stones may break my bones. All right. But words will never hurt me. Right. And Nehemiah 24 seven. All right. That used to be, I don't know when they took, maybe the new King James, they took it out or the NIV, I think they probably took it out. But that used to be, think about it. Remember how many times you get in trouble, you went home and be like, you know, what happened in school? I slapped Bobby. Why? Because Bobby said this. And then the rhyme come out. Six and seven, they break my bones, the name never hurt me. Mm-hmm. And basically, they were trying to get you used to being an adult in the world, where realize that because someone says something you don't like, doesn't mean you get slapped in. Right, right. Well, I, I think I have an explanation for why that changed. Okay. I don't know. It's not necessarily, you know, what everybody's going to agree to. But what I'll say is, I think that this is one of the relics of poor mentality that has now creeped into a mainstream. So Mm -hmm. I know that when people were extremely low income, the only thing that you really had was your respect. That was it. And it's like, I don't have a car. I don't have a house. I don't have anything else. But damn it, you're going to respect me. (laughs) And and so what happened was people embodied this trait where if somebody says something about me 
and all I got is my respect. I have to be extra you know, toxically masculine in order to make people understand I am not the one for repeated uh, communication in that. Okay. okay. Now, those people have grown up, hopefully are doing much better than they were doing at that time. But sometimes old habits are hard to break, right? And so people are trying to eat. Mike Tyson even talks about this, right? Where he was like, that was a time I used to be a savage. Like, <laughs> so like, I think what happens is people now are in a different position. But when you get into a different position, the hard part is in corporate America or in professional America, a lot of uh, transgressions of microtransgressions are going to happen. It happens. And you can't be willing to fight because of rep or your your respect level. That doesn't factor in in this world the way that it does in the other world. So in this world, there is no credit outside of your work product and outside of what you your own humanity, your own personality. But for people who are not indoctrinated into that understanding, they're coming into the situation thinking, well, you ain't going to talk about me or mine like that. You're going to respect me. Then we embellish that with the rappers that go out and they get rich, but they still about they respect and slapping people and all that stuff. Like it's just it, it put it in a mainstream in such a way that folks didn't necessarily know how to process that. But I think if you once you start accumulating things of value that you care about, family, <laughs> houses, cars, bank accounts, all that stuff, you no longer get to fall back in the well, you're going to respect me first. Like, there are people who are filthy rich who are not getting respected. Not by force, but well, well, no, you're right. And because you bought your respect another way. So, you know, you don't have to say nothing about me if, you know, if I'm sitting in, in, in my nice car in my nice house. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't care what you think, right? So, you know, Absolutely. you're right. You know, you, that, that respect doesn't, you know, doesn't. Matter of fact, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, a random person's respect doesn't even mean much to me. Right. I can't pay a bill with that. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two of this episode. So next episode, we'll get to what we really want to talk about in the first place. See you next time.